I'm Lee Jones, editor of Professional Builder magazine, and in this episode of our podcast, I'm joined by Chris Carr, national president of the Federation of Master Builders. The industry's largest trade association is dedicated to supporting and championing SME building contractors. There's a whole host of services available. In undertaking to abide by the highest standards, it represents a badge of quality for its members and, through its campaigns, the organisation lobbies government on the sector's big issues. Chris tells us what the priorities for the FMB will be in the months and years ahead. So Chris, you've been National President of the FMB since September 23. It's, it's a two-year term. What will be your priorities as President? Uh, my first priority is to get around all the area boards. We have 10 area boards uh, spread all over the UK. So I've done eight so far, and the only two other area boards I've got to get to are Wales and Northern Ireland. And then the other thing is um, probably develop the FMB strategy with a renewed focus on understanding our members. The thing at the moment, we've got a great CRM system at the FMB, and we don't think the data's up to standard, really. We need to know more about our members, what they do, the size of their businesses, the kind of turnovers and then try and make communications and the such more relevant to their different departments, whether it's house building, which I do, to retrofit, to loft conversion. So trying to gain the, the information is going to be critical so we can move the FMB forward as a whole. And obviously, I'd like the membership to increase. So we can only do that if we can show a, it's a great benefit to our, our existing members and then future members coming on to join us. So what do you see the role of the FMB in the modern building industry then? What's its importance? I think it's critical, I mean, especially in these quite difficult times. The FMB does provide a, a voice for the SME and smaller builders and from those working on home improvement projects to house developers. And, you know, the, the smaller builders need a voice. The larger volume house builders or the larger contractors have that voice at the table with government. And what we do is have a representation uh, to take that forward. And so today we, we, you know, we provide a vital platform for small house builders, especially uh, the ones struggling to deliver homes. And we've been campaigning, obviously, with a nationwide energy efficiency program to ensure our members of skills fit for the future for, for retrofit. So we think we've got a, a critical role, say, not only for our members, uh, but for new members to join. We think, when, you know, hopefully we'll talk about later on the, the chance of um, becoming registered builders and licensing. And, and I think this is, again, the FMB lead on, on this type of thing. So it's very important. And the core principle is the FMB has always been and always will be quality and standards. We're constantly striving to improve our standards and the quality of our members' work. Can you give us some insight into how you first became involved in the FMB yourself? Then? How has it benefited you and your business? It's a strange one, really. A, a friend of my father's asked me to join a, the local Grimsby branch of the Federation of Master Builders when I was in my uh, early 20s to represent my company. And so I joined the meeting as, as a young 20-year-old, really enjoyed it. Uh, ended up going through the process of being president of the branch, moving up to the regional board for the Yorkshire and Trent area. So I was on that in my early 30s. was looking to be asked to move to the national board, but I, th- I thought I was too young, too inexperienced. So declined that, but joined the home builders group for the FMB home builders group. And then I chaired that for about 10 years and then uh, decided to move on to the board from there. So I've been on the board since 2018 and then became president in September of this year. Has it benefited us? I think it has in different ways. Most members join because they want the reputation, the credibility of an FMB-backed work. I'm a slightly different. I'm a house builder. The company's family business, 120 years old. So we didn't need that. But the information and the representation that we get from the FMB 
is critical. So it's helped our business in that way. And especially with me being involved with the SME sector, the house building side of it, I've been able to deliver and help the FMB deliver on national policy, which has always been beneficial for my company as well. And for the other members, because we put all the, the information out to all of our members. So you think it's a good networking opportunity for small builders then, who otherwise might be a bit out on their own, really, won't they? Yeah, you know, we're a membership organisation run for members by its members. So we're all, it's a cooperative almost, and it's not dependent on how big your business is, your turnover. We're all in it together. And then I think when you have a membership organisation run by its members, then you are going to get to the point of, and, the, and the, you know, the information you need and the, and the presence in government to push what is right for our membership. So, yeah, networking's good, but actually delivering and changing helps to change government policy, which we've done quite well over the last 10 or 15 years. You mentioned there that you're a house builder yourself. There's been a well-documented decline in, in SME house building and indeed in house building overall at the moment. So what would you like to see legislators and other stakeholders do to encourage more house building? I mean, I think it's quite worrying from, I think, the 1980s, we were delivering 40% of all new homes, and I think it's, it's dropped to below 10% now. Um, there is a big issue with the help of the SMEs getting into the industry and to support them moving forward. So we recently had the FMB Home Builders uh, Survey, uh, and we asked, you know, they asked the questions every year, what are your, you know, what are your issues and constraints? Planning came to the top again, as, as it usually does. And then you've got things like mortgage availability, uh, lack of available land, material costs, and then financing issues. So we've got to the FMB, take all that on board, and then move forward and, and, and try and change that. So we're asking, actually, for uh, the government to have dedicated resources to the planning team, uh, the local planning teams for the SMEs, because we believe that if we can have a good relationship with, with planning officers, so if you've got the same planning officer over again, because a volume house builder will probably use that one planning officer once in in five or ten years we will probably use them four or five times a year so having a dedicated office so we think will be great to for the communication uh, between you know between the two parties and stop the them and us situation so we'd like to see that funded uh, i mean there's been a 30 percent increase in planning fees so the money's gone into the the, the plan departments uh, for such improvements we need more small sites to be available uh, one of the things local plans same again, it's easier to the local politicians to allow two or three strategic sites and get the applications out in one go. It's less controversial than a load of smaller sites, uh, which they have to keep fighting independently. So we would need or request at least 20 to 30% of all the local plans have SME and micro sites uh, ready to go. And the other thing you'd like to see, Homes England introduce funding packages for companies entering the market to be SME developers. The FMB launched a paper through the Construction Leadership Council about a year ago on how to be an SME developer. And it goes you the whole process from start to finish to, to setting your business up to, to finding land, to, to develop into standards, and it, all the way through with a step-by-step guide. And, and we would like to see that as the kind of the Bible for people joining the industry, but also that the Homes England have funding to help on these sort of cases. You know, we've got to reduce the, the 9%. It's got to go start going in the opposite direction. It's not healthy at all in the UK to have such an important part of our, you know, three things in life we need, food, shelter and water. We provide shelter. And if we do not get that right, and we we were so reliant on five or six companies to do that, then, you know, we're we're in serious trouble. I I read that Becoming a Small House Builder document. It is very comprehensive and, and, and very useful for small builders. That's available on the FMB website, isn't it? It's on the FMB website and the Construction Leadership Council's website as well. 
I do a lot of mentoring for tradespeople to be developers, and I still do it now. And it was critical that we have something to lay down that anybody can do it rather than me trying to get around everybody that wants to be housing developer. It's a great industry to be in. We just need a little bit of support from government. The February edition of Professional Builder is now available from Builders Merchants Trade Counters nationwide and online at www.probuildermag.co.uk where you can also sign up to receive every issue via email. In the February magazine, there's in-depth features on tools, fixings and workwear, as well as the new build and property development sector. A host of great competitions and giveaways and the latest products and ideas for every trade. Do you think it's, it's not just about numbers either, that having more SME house builders would actually improve quality, having more competition in the house building sector? Yeah, I mean, that's a taken. You know, we, we do deliver a far better quality. And, and, I, and I've got some friends in the value house builders, but yeah, we do deliver quality because we have to have a USP. We can't compete on price with the, with the, with the larger companies. So we have to do the only thing we can differentiate ourselves with is, is design and, and quality. So it's got to bring the, the whole level up. One of the other major campaigns from the FMB uh, over the last couple of years has been licensing, um, licensing the industry so that builders and tradespeople have to be registered in some way. How do you see that being implemented and what do you see are its benefits? I just can't believe we're not doing it at the moment. I mean, for me, it's a little bit irrelevant. As a housing developer, we almost are licensed because we have to have a, a warranty with our product and, and, and prove we're a competent person to get, to get the warranties. But I can't believe it nowadays that you could you could get a five hundred thousand pound extension onto your house in London, delivered by a fishmonger or by get a landscape gardener. You know, it's unbelievable the money we're spending and risking with with, with builders and road traders. I just can't believe this isn't happening now. It does happen. You know, it happens in Australia. I think it happens in Germany and possibly New Zealand uh, and even Canada. It's when it's going to happen, and we just feel that it's sooner rather than better. It professionalizes industry and gives a career path as well. So people can join the industry and actually see there is a career path through it from tradesperson up to, to being a managing director of your own company. At the moment, there isn't that kind of clear trades path. And if we're going to try and sell our industry to, to young people and that more importantly at the moment to their parents, uh, you know, the parents make a decision on their child's uh, kind of way in life from a very early age that we need to have, you know, a licensing and a professional industry. And we've got to criminalise the rogue traders at the moment. It's very, it's very complex to go through the civil courts uh, with a with a rogue trader. But the FNB's licensed to build report assessed how licensing works in other countries. Like I say, it does work. I, it, I just we keep pushing the FNB, pushing and pushing. I can't see why the government aren't allowing it. Um, I do feel that we've been too easy in the past, and I think as an FNB, we've lobbied government and tried to get them to agree to it. I think we now have to now to get the consumer and say, shouldn't you be asking for this and for the next election and the manifestos? Because it's amazing. You wouldn't buy a car off somebody for three hundred thousand pounds if they built it in their garage and said, yeah, don't worry, it's fine. You know, there's the register. It's crazy. It's got to, it's got to change and change soon. Do Do you see tradespeople actually welcoming it? It's themselves. Then do you? We uh, asked our members, and eighty six percent of the members said they would. You know, they would like it. So that's a considerable amount of, you know, over the, the large membership we have, nearly 7,000, 86%, yeah, they, they want this. I think the, the feeling is it, it, could, it could work for government as well. If, you, if you've got a licensed uh, industry, then obviously it's probably easier to collect taxes as well. So 
maybe they could they, they could work out uh, in that way. People say it may drive people the other way to to come out of the industry into the rogue economy as such, and uh, I think that could be that could be easily rectified if you if you're putting an extension on your house and you don't have a licensed builder, then no mortgage lending, no you know no no loans, no nothing else. So and you can't sell it. It's the same as you know you have a building control warranty. You you can't sell it. But yeah, I think the industry would buy it as a whole. There are already organisations where you have to adhere to a certain standard in order to be a member. I mean, you do, for instance, for the FMB, don't you? But there's also the NFRC have one for roofing, Fenter have one for, for the glazing industry. So how would you see those being incorporated into a wider licensing system? Then? Well, they, like you said, they'd be incorporated. They would, the people that are licensed through these other organisations, they should almost have grandfather rights. They, they should be licensed through. We don't. We're not discriminating everybody. The idea is to bring everybody to a level playing field. You know, at the moment, our our smaller contractors that do work, if someone undercuts them by not paying the VAT, that's twenty percent difference. Our members can't, you know, they, they're honest members paying the VAT. Um, anybody that's in Fence or the other organisations, I'm sure, would be the same that they would say, "Yeah, let's all get together." You know, it can be, you know, Trustmark is a scheme that's set by government. It could be under that kind of under remit. But I'd be surprised if any any true tradesperson or true competent company won't, go, won't agree to this. Tool Fair and Professional Builder Live is coming to a venue near you in 2024. Check out all the dates for the trade show that puts tradespeople at its heart at toolfair.info. There's great show deals from some of the biggest brands, live demonstrations and seminars. If that's not enough, then parking and entry is free and you'll get a free bacon roll and Professional Builder t-shirt into the bargain. First up this year will be Alexandra Palace in London on the 29th of February and 1st of March. One of the other big challenges for the industry at the moment is obviously what's been described as a skills crisis. What's the FMB doing to, to encourage the take-up of apprenticeships amongst its members and, and the industry at large? It's trying to get the CITB to work in, in the right way. I mean, we're lucky with the FMB. We have members on the councils, the English, Scottish and uh, Welsh councils. And we've also got a, a board member on the, the national board. And so it, it, as a whole, our industry, SME, do deliver the training. I think we deliver, you know, six, seven times more training through the SME sector than do the volume house builders, especially on the trades. So, you know, your normal trades. It's pushing against an open door again. What would probably prefer is consistency of work. I think that's the crucial thing. If you take an apprentice on, you're committing yourselves to three, possibly four years. And I think consistency of work for our members, whether it's through local authorities or you know, a third sector, uh, social housing and people like that, that we could then think we've got enough work in front of us to, to take these young people on. And then also sharing apprentices, I think, is quite critical as well. That you know, you, you might be go down one route, you might just do in retrofit, but don't work on new housing or don't work on shuttering on, on, on the commercial side. So having the opportunity or the availability to to get these different young people to to learn all the different trades of, of that that, that so different parts of that trade, I think um, it should be good. The other thing, I think in uh, Europe they have the system where the first year of an apprentice it, it covers all trades. So the first year you do some bricklaying, you do some joinery, plastering, and and you think I think that's probably a good way to do it. Then then you can trial it, see which is your best, which you prefer best, and then go down that route into that silo. But also it gives a better understanding of other trades when you do start working in the industry. So you know, bricklaying, realizing that the joiner needs you know critical levels, 
and the, and you know and the decorator needs the joiners to finish on a better standard. But the FMB just work on always promoting it. We you know the, we have webinars, so we have close ties with the CITB, and then we're working with a general on a general builder standard at the moment to have a more for the retrofit side of things. So we have people that are multi skilled. I think that's what we used to call them multi skilled, and I think on the retrofit that that's incredibly important and the RMI, the repair maintenance improvement, that we have these kind of crossover of trades to make it more commercially viable for us. Do you think more can be done to help small builders in terms of grants, knowing what's out there and also giving them help to actually apply for the financial help that might be there to take on apprentices and traders? Yeah, you're right. The money's there. The CITB, I won't say a wash with money, but the CITB is a considerable amount of money that is, is there for training. I think accessing it has been difficult. I think the, the communications has been fairly poor. And I have to hand my hand up. I was on the CITB council for five years. I've only just resigned purely to take the job on at the FMB. So I don't think I could commit to both. So I worked on the CITB for five years. And there is definitely a push to help the SME uh, access finance. And it, it's the comms. Like I keep saying, it, the money's there. Our members start doing the forms and get a bit struggle and just stop. And what they've done now, they've, they've released all the, you know, the names, email addresses and phone numbers of all your local agents who will literally step-by-step step walk you through the process. And when you've been walked through the process once, you feel comfortable, you will take on more apprentices, take more money. The only thing I do have an issue with, and this is my personal issue, not one of the FMBs, is the insistence that we have to pass the mass English to be fully qualified as an apprentice. And I do feel that hinders some of the young people coming out of schools that, with no disrespect, have been probably let down by the schools for 10 or 11 years in education and then expected to go to, a, to, to do an apprenticeship and learning maths and English. I don't think that's viable. I don't think it's fair in our industry and the young people. We've got some fantastic young people with autism and other related, not disabilities, but we feel that we've actually seen with benefits. We find the most gifted trace people have a tendency for autism because they focus on it. And I think if we start asking for the maths and English, asking for academic qualifications to go along this, it's not fair to them and I don't think it's fair to the industry. Yeah. You, you've mentioned there that communication is king. I mean, one of the things that some builders have said to me is that the communication between local businesses and colleges is often not the, be not the best. It's patchy. Some, some colleges are very good at it, others are not. I mean, could, could more be done there, some sort of general standard as to how the two come together? Yeah, I mean, you read what you sow, really. And then sometimes, but I have a great relationship with our local college has got a you know, building arm of it. And I've been involved with those for 25, 30 years. And it's the link, you know, that they're, and you've got to remember, colleges are desperate for that link into industry. When they go an Ofsted report, one of the things is, is, are you engaged with the local community, you know, with your local industries? So if anybody wants to have a better engagement, it works both ways for, for the training centers and for, for the colleges and for the, the builder. We need to do that, but that's one thing the FMB are really good at. But if you, you haven't got an FMB branch in your area or you don't think the FMB are doing it for you or not an FMB member, then, then just approach the colleges direct. And they are really keen to engage with, with industry. So far, the, the, the government's attempt at a Green Deal, Green Retrofit schemes have been largely unsuccessful, to say the least. I mean, what do you think needs to be done to, to encourage the retrofit of our existing housing stock and obviously un, un, unlock a huge amount of work for builders in the process. I mean, I get frustrated by this. I mean, I'm a housing developer who's expected to spend twenty to £30,000 in 2025 to get to the future home standards to get to, so I get probably a 5%, 10% energy efficiency. 
where if I went to an existing housing stock and insulated the roof, I'd probably give it 50% already. It, it is frustrating that we're not taking this seriously. The long-term commitment, that's what we're looking for. It shouldn't be a short-term thing. It's got to be a long-term commitment. We had a meeting last week with uh, some social housing providers who, who were saying, we, we don't even know what stock we've got. We don't know when our houses were built. We don't know. I mean, one of them admitted, and I won't say what it was, that they'd actually done a bit of an audit and found 150 houses they didn't even know they owned. Now, if you don't even know what houses you own, you don't know when they were built, you don't know how, if there's wall insulation, floor insulation, roof insulation, what sort of heating systems you got, that becomes a problem. So I think first and foremost, we've got to know what buildings we're dealing with. So I think for a year or so, we've really got to get around to, to deep diving into the social housing sector and the, and the rental and the rented sector to find out what you've got. And then from then on, we just need to then look at the best ways to retrofit. You get to somewhere, some will not be fit for retrofitting. Some, you've got to be bold. We've got the, the oldest housing stock in Europe now. There's got to be changes where some somewhere along the line, we're going to have to demolish a lot of these properties and, and, and rebuild again. But the ones that are of good quality, the ones that can be adapted, then we need to look at it. But it's a long-term project, not short-term initiative, which government seems to have these short-term initiatives, which, which is no good. Um, so the long-term industry, we should look at a strategic plan. And I think it's been led by the National Retrofit Strategy. Uh, and then we need to look at the upskilling in the workforce as well, which I was talking before about having multi-skilled. But you know, the government have got to take this seriously. It's too easy to push all the emphasis on the, the, the new housing. I think we've got to look at the existing housing stock. And, and, then, and that's all parties. And I think we need a cross-party agreement. So whoever comes uh, into power in, uh, in 2024, they've got this inbred in through, all the way through the Construction Leadership Council, the CITB, the FMB, and the other trade associations. This is where it comes licensing again. One of the things they will insist on if it's government money, that they you're going to be required to be registered of some description. And we found in now, we did a survey and found out that it was something like uh, 78% of clients would, would not have the work done if they didn't trust the builder or, the, or they don't have the work done because they don't trust the builder. So this is a critical thing. Again, we, this is about selling our industry. We've got too many rogue traders in there. The top quality trades people need to be saying, right, we're licensed, we are part of this trade association, whichever trade association it is, and we will do your retrofit to a high standard with a government-backed policy, with possibly, hopefully, government funding to, to help deliver it. So finally, do, do you have a vision for where you'd like the FMB to be at the end of your of your term as national president? Yeah, the vision is to probably deliver the uh, strategic plan and, and focus on standards and, let's say, better understanding our members. I need to, you know, to show potential new members that the FMB is the, the go-to organization in the uk to to voice their concerns to take policies forward and to look after them in, in, on a day-to-day -day basis almost and i want potential clients to look at us with confidence as well so you know getting out to the clients telling them what we do as an fmb organization what our members do how the vetting system works the warranties we we offer uh you know the regular checks up on us making sure we have insurance every single year so get give com customer uh, confidence again and then I'd like our members to increase the number. I'd like to increase the numbers, but I'm well aware that my critical thing is quality over quantity. We have the reputation that at the moment we're averaging 20% of people that apply to the FMB are refused because they don't hit our entry criteria. And we could easily improve the membership numbers by just allowing anybody in. Um, but the board have taken a stance that our members want quality. 
So, you know, while we're still re retaining 86% of our members, we need some new members coming through and that'd be a drive, but they've got to be of good quality. And, you know, we've got to remember to our members to buy into it. You know, we, it's all right paying the invoice at the end of the year to be an FNB member, but I want them to feel part of the FNB family. So going around meeting members, wherever they are, whether it's a social function or formal functions, I then want to feel part of an organisation that to take them, you know, we're a membership organisation run by our members for our members, and we're the UK's largest construction trade association, something to be very proud of. Whether it's the skills crisis or improving the energy efficiency of our existing housing stock, if you have an opinion on or direct experience of any of the issues raised in this episode, then get in touch. Like the FMB, we want tradespeople to be heard. So just open up Voice Memo on your phone and let us know your thoughts. Then send it to pb at hamerville.co.uk. The Federation of Master Builders is the trade association for small and medium-sized construction companies. To find out more, visit www.fmb.org.uk. Is there anything you think that the FMB should be focusing on? Are you a member of a trade association already or would like to share your experiences? If so, get in touch. In the meantime, thank you for listening.